Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of Graveyard Coffee Talk. We are your hosts, Amanda and Corinne. And today we are joined by the editor of the uh, (laughs) that's what I call horror anthology, Chelsea Pumpkins. Hey, you did a great job pronouncing it. Everyone uh, puts their own spin on it, and so far yours is my favorite. Yay! I try. Uh, Corinne will edit it to make it sound like I actually, you know, didn't have a question. And I apologize if you heard that. My husband just got some ice out of the ice maker and I could hear it through my headphones. So, uh, you no, it didn't come through. Did they hear anything? Perfect. Yes, it was no. Yes. Now we, now we can hear them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, now they can hear you. They did not hear the ice That's why God invented editing. Yep. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's okay. All right. So, hey, Amanda, I know it's it's another one of our late night recording sessions. So uh, what beverage are you drinking tonight? I am drinking the Fall City Beer Moon Fuel Coffee Stout. Oh. Uh, made with coffee beans from the Doge Bean Cafe. It is uh, a coffee shop here in town that only accepts cryptocurrency. Oh. And Fall City partnered with them to make this because they share uh, building space. Okay. Um, it's not a bad coffee stout. You're on <laughs> theme, which is very cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's almost like I am telling the truth when I talk about just how much I love and need coffee <laughs> all the time. It's true fact. All right. So what do you have, Corinne? Um, so I know I told you I was going to drink some wine tonight, but I forgot I had bought a new bourbon. It's Winchester. Uh, I found it while I was just perusing total wine. Um, it's actually surprisingly light. This only has a little bit of water in it. And I did do a Mary tea pour. You did. That's, uh, Corinne's mom for, (laughs) oh my God, (laughs) and everyone else uh, listening who doesn't know. So when I was growing up, I thought that a single shot of bourbon was when you count to five while you're pouring. Nice. And it turns out that's not true. <laughs> it turns out that's how my mother pours bourbon. And uh, my oldest cousin's wife will refer to whether or not she wants a Mary T pour or a normal pour. So this, one, this one's for Mary T. <laughs> this is for my mom. <laughs> I love your mom. She's She's special. All right, and Chelsea. I have a glass of wine and I actually poured it like my husband, so we can call this a, a Brandon R pour. <laughs> um, he likes to drink wine out of like a pint glass and I'm like, okay, you can't serve it that way if people are over. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, it's just a basic like Josh Cabernet from like, I don't know, the liquor store down the street. Yeah, um, that works. But if I had planned ahead better, I was traveling this week, but 
uh, me and my husband and a couple of friends actually roast our own coffee. And I was like, oh, it would have been so oh. cool to send them beans and to like that drink it. That would be so cool. So uh, I will have to send it after and say as a thank you. <laughs> yes. And if um, you would like some beans from one of the local coffee shops here, let me know. I'll do yeah, a trade lovely. for you because we've got two coffee shops here in town that have won National Espresso Awards. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and I can walk to both. It's really dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, coffee swap sounds perfect. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, how do our episodes even work again? Corinne, what is our card? Oh, okay. I Yes, cards. I did draw them in advance. <laughs> sure. I did, actually, for once in my life. Uh, I am <laughs> Drawing from the Murder of Crow's Tarot. I love that deck. Because it's a really pretty deck. And I decided that I would do that. Also, it was sitting down here on the table while I was getting everything prepped. And I said, look, the gods have spoken. So uh, today's draw is the Seven of Pentacles. And I, for I love that deck. The art so is gorgeous. It's just really cool. Here we go. Awesome. And this one is a card about biding your time, uh, being cautious with your editing. So Ooh. maybe, maybe that means <laughs> that uh, this will be truly a gift of an episode. <laughs> maybe we should get some like ground rules first. Like, can I swear? Are we? What else should we I are worry a very about scary group. <laughs> yes. Um, gosh, your mom's going to kill me if she ever actually listens to an episode, but. Corinne's family uses the term bitch in the most affectionate way. It is a term and of endearment. That, that's when I knew that her family really liked me, is when I started getting referred to as bitch as well. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, my mom's best friend has been bitch since they were in the seventh grade. See, when that I was she, that age, it was also a term of endearment. So I have grown up that way too. <laughs> yeah. She literally has her programmed on the home phone as bitch. So you will just hear call from bitch <laughs> through the house. <laughs> Happened the uh, first um, time my, my now husband ever came over to the house. Well, Steve, you don't normally come around. I know we have a cat party. Mine are back here too. Mine are upstairs. Yeah, this is the troublemaker cat. So I'm watching all of my electronics right now. Um, all, right, all right. So we will get into it. Uh, very excited about the anthology. Uh, we've got a couple questions for you before we dive into some 90s uh, pop culture research and how it works with folklore and fairy tales. Uh, so... From early reviews and from what I've seen around Howl's, this anthology is a fun community project. Can you give us some background on how this came about, how the discussion got started? Yeah. Um, so, you know, just kind of through both Howl's and like Twitter and Discord and whatnot, like there's kind of been a really cool indie horror writing community that community that's bubbled up. So um, a few of us got together. It was probably like maybe close to like 18 at the at the start um, and said like, hey, let's make an anthology um, and we'll just all write stories and we'll work together to put it out. So we started that, we picked the 90s theme as a, as a crew 
and then dubbed ourselves the 90s kids. Love that. Um, <laughs> so from there, we like all started drafting and like reading each other's stuff um, and, you know, giving reviews and edits and whatnot. And we did a couple rounds of that. Um, and throughout that process, like a few people have dropped out, just like life and whatnot. Um, and then when our stories were done, I think we had like maybe a little <laughs> come to Jesus moment of like, oh, it's going to be a lot of work for uh, 14, 15 people to like unanimously work through. So um, it was at that point um, that the group kind of appointed me editor. Um, I had kind of been doing a lot of the organizational stuff anyway. I tend to apparently just have that kind of personality <laughs> and these cats needed hurting. So I took it over. Um, it's been a really cool opportunity for me because it's brand new experience for me too. So it's been a lot of learning and a, a fun, a fun project too. Okay. That's awesome. cool. And it kind of dovetails into our next question. Uh, a question that is near and dear to my heart because I am the person who edits all of our podcast episodes. Favorite and least favorite part of the editing process. Ooh. Okay. I think. So given like how, the point that I took this project over, like there was no slushing, there was no like call to like read a bunch of stories from. So the work that I did, I think putting together the table of contents and like the order was really fun. It was like a really interesting puzzle. And like, I'm sure nobody who reads it will see, <laughs> will like pick up all the patterns that like I invented in my head. Um, but that was really cool. I was like walking around with like a stack of 14 post-it notes for like two whole days in my house, just moving them around from the coffee table to the kitchen. And my husband's like, what the hell? When are you going to finish this? Um, the most difficult part, or did you say least favorite? Mm, let's yeah, see. favorite and least favorite yeah. are most difficult. Whatever floats your goat. We're not picky. Um, let's see. Maybe just like, I mean, it's been, people have been really generous in helping me learn the logistics of stuff, but um, it's kind of hard setting your own deadlines and following up on them. And there's a lot of people involved. So um, it's definitely like a masterclass in project management and we'll, we'll see how it turns out. <laughs> that, that makes sense. I know for me, it's like, uh, I have a deadline for this, but I'm the bitch that gave the deadline and I'm a pushover. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why did I do this to myself? <laughs> Yeah, it, yeah. I, I cut a few pieces of the project, maybe a little too close, and I might pay the price for that. But I'm just like, you know, hoping, keep my fingers crossed for now. <laughs> well, I will say from your social media pushes, it it looks like you had everything Thank super you. organized and put together and planned. Because I know, at least for us, the social media side of thing is just, oh yeah, I should post because people should be reminded that we exist ever and oh my god if everyone in our house could be quiet okay <laughs> don't i always feel like very annoying and that's the part that i'm like i hope people don't hate me i wonder if you no. all feel the same way always about, oh, your, about yeah. yourself yeah always oh, a thousand percent of the time oh i go back and listen to episodes and i'm like people listen to me talk on purpose oh no <laughs> Yeah, yeah. At uh, Christmas this year, I found out that certain relatives listened to the podcast that I had no idea listened. And I was like, oh, hooray. Thank you for the support. I hope I didn't say anything bad. <laughs> I get emails from my, my mother-in-law about the contents of our episodes. And I'm like, how many times did I drop an F-bomb? She thinks I'm so nice. It's <laughs> great. Um, so when I think 90s horror... I, as 
a 90s kid think goosebumps and being afraid of the dark and can anyone hear me over this dog yes yes okay <laughs> he is very concerned because i am sitting here and he's like it's not a work day is everything going to hell because oh. he is the most anxious dog that has ever existed anywho starting again for corinne's convenience uh, <laughs> When I think 90s horror, I, as a 90s kid, think Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark. Uh, do you think that those stories had any special influence over the stories in this anthology um, coming through? I, I feel like those were just standout points for anyone growing up in the 90s. Yeah, it's been interesting because the group of authors that we have, like, not to call anybody out, but we have some that are born, like, I don't know after nine after 1990 and then some that were born a lot earlier so like all of our 90s kids experiences are different um so i definitely do think there's probably like a solid core of people who were influenced by that like goosebumps time are you afraid of the mm -hmm. dark um i think maybe like an older subset like oh, there was another like tales from the crypt and maybe fear street because i think i was yeah. like a little too young for fear street at the time um, so it's been cool to see like what had influenced different people at different stages. Um, we also have two authors that are from that live in Europe. So like their experience was different too. And um, there's a story that takes place. I, I, I don't know if it formally takes place in Spain, but the author's from Spain. Um, and when I was reading her story, I was asking questions and she's like, oh, it's based on a real thing. And I was like, I've never heard of this. And it's like a totally horrific event. And so it's, huh. it's really, yeah. So there's definitely some like Goosebumps kids stuff going on, but then there's like kind of a cool mix of other things too. Oh, that's fun. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 Sorry. I, I like so caught up in like the whole Goosebumps now you've heard the dark because I was such a freaking pansy that I could not consume that media at all. Oh, see. My fondest memories are of watching Are You Afraid of the Dark when I was like five because my older siblings were watching it and my dad coming in and being like, oh, yeah, that was an OK story. But gather round, children. And he would tell us just the most horrific oh my God. <laughs> horror story, which we loved. We ate up. And then he would leave to go to work because he worked third shift and leave us with mom. So any nightmares, <laughs> any, like, any concerns? Yeah. My babysitter had to lock a Goosebumps book in the closet for me because I was so terrified of it that I was convinced the monsters were going to somehow climb into my window and get me. That would make a good story. <laughs> I live on the second floor of our house. You never know. <laughs> yeah. No, I was terrified. I hated it. And my babysitter literally locked it in a closet to like make me feel better in your defense like the kids stuff was way scarier and weirder back then like even the cartoons so. that weren't supposed to be scary like had like a weird eeriness and i was not allowed yeah. to watch so much of it like my parents were like no we don't think this is appropriate this is not for you because i was the eldest child so guinea pig my sisters got to do a lot more than i ever did and no. they are much I, less weenies i was <laughs> raised by the tv sometimes so like Oh. Anyway, back to back to what I'm actually supposed to be asking you about. Um, that cover 
is bonkers awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about the design process? Yes. So the artist of the cover is Cassie Daly. Um, and we knew pretty, I knew pretty early on that I really wanted her because I had followed her on Instagram for a long time and like Twitter. Um, just like her aesthetic was exactly 90s for us. Like I was like, yeah, we want rainbow. We want scary. We want like whatever. And I'm like, she'll get it done. And she did amazing. Like, I think our, like the notes that we sent her in the beginning were Lisa Frank meets goosebumps. And I had sent her like a list of the story summaries. And I'm talking like one to two sentences about what these stories are about. And she came back with that cover and it just like blew me away. Like, I was like, you nailed it. Like, were you inside my head? Like, and she asked a lot of cool questions, like, what kind of color palette are you looking for? And she sent a couple like sketches back and forth. And so it was a very like cool open process, but I mean, Cassie did all the work. She was really great. I like how you talked about the Lisa Frank meets goosebumps vibe. Cause that's definitely what I got when I looked at yes. it. Yep. She I like, like, Oh, I know this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It was, she did such a good job. I am so thrilled with how it came out. Awesome. And uh, just really quickly, you've started your own podcast. So what can your listeners expect from that? What's the name? Give us the dates. Yeah, we just started it um, with, I started a podcast with my two friends, um, Brett Mitchell Kent and Elton Skelter. Um, Met them again through like indie horror writing. Um, And the podcast is called Cutthroat Queens. And the goal is to kind of just like discuss and uplift all things indie horror. you know, our, I think we're probably going to have a bit of a reading writing bent to it, but we're not going to just, we don't want to just stop there. Like having conversations with other podcasters or like even people involved in like game creation or artists. So, um, you know, right now we have like a lot of big ideas and, you know, trying to get like guests locked in and everything and scheduling is a real pain in my butt already. <laughs> but um, so far it's been a really fun project. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for letting me plug it. Not a problem. Uh, We're excited to hear about it. Yeah. All right. So really quickly, I wanted to go over the rise of the witch in 90s pop culture. Uh, You know, just a little something, because if we don't do some research at least once every episode, they'll take our microphones from us. Um, So... (laughs) From what I understand, uh, the way that witches were portrayed in specifically American media in the 90s was a combination rejection of this, of, oh my God, I can talk, of the satanic panic and a cultural shift towards embracing feminine power and the move towards third wave feminism. So my notes are kind of an amalgamation of things that I found from the following three articles. Okay. I've got Beyond Bubbling Cauldrons, Screen Witches of the 1990s, Ooh. The Eerie Rise of Witches at the Movies, and We Are the Weirdos, How Witches Went from Evil Outcasts to Feminist Heroes. So like, you're going to send me these articles, right, Amanda? Yes. You're the one that puts my notes up on the website. You'll see all the links. <laughs> Shut up. Don't logic at me, woman. <laughs> um, so we start the decade with 1990s The Witches with Angelica Houston and 1993's Hocus Pocus. So witches aren't 
good here, obviously. Um, I mean, but they are portrayed in a comedic way as opposed to a straightforward horror way. And most interestingly, these movies are targeted at children. So again, this is on the heels of the satanic panic. You show your kids anything occult, you're a monster. Um, but we're now actively marketing witch media at children. Uh, huge cultural shift there. So a few years later, 1996, we get Sabrina the Teenage Witch and The Craft. Uh, okay. Good year. Good year, <laughs> that one. Uh, <laughs> That's a great year. <laughs> yeah. Two sides of the high school witch coin there. Um, and you could argue that Sabrina is the kind of sanitized version of the same We Are the Weirdos from The Craft. Okay. It's teenagers embracing their own uniqueness. Um, and that was mimicking the rise of a more uh, of a culture that was embracing individuality instead of being part of the in-group. Um, and of course, you know, you have the craft leading into the grunge. Yeah. As well. Uh, then we hit 1997 with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And 1998 brings us Practical Magic and Charmed, which for some reason, I thought Charmed had started way earlier than that. I thought that was like a 1994 or something. That 90s. kind of makes sense. That my sisters were fucking obsessed with Charmed. That doesn't surprise me at all. Marion and Patricia had their schedules in the summers arranged around when Charmed reruns were. And they would watch it go to the pool, come home, watch more, and then, like, walk to Qdoba with their friends. See, I that didn't know Qdoba was that old. <laughs> That's the most is... surprising thing I've just learned. <laughs> Qdoba wasn't that old, so this was more, like, they would have been, in, like, middle school, early high school, so this would have been, like, late, late 90s, early 2000s. Huh. But, because the twins are a bit younger than I am. Yeah. it's uh, awesome. And this is when we really start to see that emphasis on witchcraft as a reclamation of feminine power. Um, you know, you think of the witches on Buffy and in Practical Magic and Charmed, they are very feminine presentations of witches. You know, mm. there's no warts, there's no wrinkles. There yeah. are gorgeous women kicking ass. Yeah. And Charmed especially embrace that femininity because you have not just, you know, discussions of good versus evil, good magic, bad magic. They actively discussed, you know, relationship issues and clothes and makeup. And uh, these articles argued that that was a way to embrace the new third wave feminism coming in and kind of the rejection of you can't be a feminist if you embrace stereotypically feminine things. Like you can't be a feminist if you like to paint your nails or get dressed up, um, which I just thought was really interesting. Huh. Um, so I didn't go too deep with this research, but I just wanted a little bit of something because that's who I am. Yeah. That's super I'm interesting. Amanda actually asked me to do some research too, but I immediately forgot about it. 
<laughs> because uh, I had a bit of a roller coaster week. But I did, I did do some Googling in the 20 minutes before, between when I realized <laughs> she had asked me to do this and starting to record. That's when the best homework happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nothing like a looming deadline to make me do something. And it's not a deadline that I set. <laughs> there we go. Um, so I was looking into like Disney Renaissance because so many classic Disney movies do draw from fairy tales. But what I thought was kind of interesting when I'm looking at what Wikipedia considers the films of the Disney Renaissance, not not that many of them are actually what we would consider fairy tales. You've hmm. got Aladdin. You've got um, Beauty and the Beast, which even then is still, what, mid-18th century from the earliest tellings? And The Little yes, Mermaid. I, I'd say that's still a fairy tale. Yeah. Just not drawing from quite as far back. Right. I think The Little Mermaid's really old, though, right? Little Mermaid is um, Hans Christian Andersen. Yeah. But he's not that old. Oh. <laughs> Um, I think he's 19th century. Oh, I should know this. I definitely but... thought it was older. I should know this. Yeah, because he was he was a sad, probably gay man. He wrote lots of stories about being sad and gay. <laughs> Only they should were all metaphors for being gay. So, <laughs> should play house a game called "Is he older than Amanda's house?" <laughs> Hans Christian Andersen. When were you alive? Probably, but I don't know. See, now I've got to look that up. <laughs> so it says Hans Christian Andersen was a Danish author, and I read a Disney author. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not wrong. Hired by Walt himself. He is so, yeah, older than my house. 1805 18... is when he was born. 1805 to 1875. So he could have existed around the same time. Maybe he's who died yeah. in your house. <laughs> Gosh, no, we would not have been able to afford this house if it had that sort of history. <laughs> All right. Sorry to derail your uh, research, Corinne. Uh, what research? <laughs> um, yeah, so I was... Oh, wow, I can hear my cat howling. I don't know if you guys can hear him or not. He oh. wants to be fed. He's angry. Anyway. Um, yeah, so I kind of thought that was interesting because when I think Disney Renaissance, I'm like, oh, yeah, fairy tales, but... Really, kind of one of the big markers of the Disney Renaissance was that return to a very Broadway style of music. Hmm. Because that's around the time they hired uh, Alan Menken and I'm blanking on his name. Oh, my God. Howard Ashman. There we go. Thank you, because my brain was going, Phil Collins, he made the best soundtrack of all time. (laughs) Tarzan is considered part of the Disney Renaissance. (laughs) This is Elton John erasure. (laughs) <laughs> the Lion King would like a word. Yes, yes. And I mean, you could Fair. argue that the Lion King is just Hamlet on the Serengeti. It is. And uh, we recently watched that for the first time in my house for my three-year-old. Um, yeah. How'd that There go? was just one morning where I was going to pull something up on Disney Plus and he saw that and he goes, oh, I want to watch the Lion movie. I was like, oh, we are choosing trauma today. <laughs> This is good. Buckle up, kid. (laughs) (laughs) And he loves it. Uh, We have to stop at the start of the Wildebeest Stampede every time now. Mm -hmm. uh, Because he goes, no, I like that lion. Oh, buddy. So we're going to (laughs) stop. So cute. 
and sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so um yeah, Disney Renaissance. Not not as many fairy tales as I thought. Because we got Pocahontas in there, Hunchback of Notre Dame. I mean, I would say the Disney Pocahontas story is a fairy tale, but Oh, one hundred percent. Oh, remember Fern Gully? Yes. Yes. That was that was awesome. Not I, really the folklore, I don't think. Maybe it is. <laughs> no, I, it's that trio of like really, really environmentalist kids movies. Because there was that one. There's Once Upon a Ra- no, uh, Once Upon a Forest. I, don't know I think I it's the other one. one. Yeah. And there's a troll in Central Park. Do you remember that one? Fern Gully was one of two VHSs that we watched so much that we had to get new ones. Because wow. we just wore them through. It was Fern Gully and Little Mermaid. Uh, we rented Fern Gully. My parents wouldn't buy it for us because they suck. Uh, uh, we, my mom's obsessed with Tim Curry. So when she saw that Aaron he Ballad. the villain, Aaron Ballad. she was like, no, we can do this. Same no. reason we had the Peter and the Wolf uh, tape in our car because it was David Bowie narrating. And she was like, look, if I have to listen to this over and over, it's going to be Bowie. Yes. Yeah. No, our big ones were Fern Gully and Willow. Confession, I have never watched Willow. I know the new series is on Disney Plus now. 1989 has Val Kilmer in it. Um, my best friend Adrian and I could quote huge swaths of that movie. I don't I'm think I've ever seen this. Reasonably certain that's what we were watching when my sister broke her collarbone by running into a wall. <laughs> oh my god. Um, is that another 90s rite of passage because my brother Matt <laughs> dislocated his shoulder reenacting uh, the Buzz Lightyear to infinity and beyond scene oh no jumping off of a couch no we invented our own game it was called Humpty Dumpty and you sat on the banister and oh, tried no. to tag people as they ran by and Trish was so excited that it was finally her turn to be Humpty Dumpty that she ran straight into the wall and then cried for several hours. And dad thought that he wasn't sure what was wrong. So he was like giving her fruit loops and shit. <laughs> and my mom came home and was like, wow, Trish was really crying. He's like, yeah, she's been crying for a couple hours now. And she was like, we need to take our child to the hospital. Oh my God. <laughs> I gave her some fruit loops. She's fine. <laughs> yeah. I just. I can see this playing out with your family. Not, not our best. <laughs> not our best. That is like, um, you know, part of the '90s experience. That was like, yeah. mm-hmm. not like 100% latchkey, but like still a little latchkey and a little bit of yeah, like, you're fine. <laughs> it's not really neglect, but also <laughs> it's neglect adjacent. But like, we're all okay. <laughs> yeah, it's Hi. fine. <laughs> I don't think Patricia has any real lingering trauma from that one. Might have been the head injuries. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Trish still doesn't know why she was banned from Uber that one time. And now people trust her with their preschoolers. So, For reference, my sister is a pre-K through 8 art teacher. Aww. That is also banned from either Uber or Lyft. Not sure which one she got banned from. She doesn't know why, but it was back when she was a pre-K teacher. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
banned permanently. Oh. Yeah, she can't. From like the she app. Has, like, yeah, she can't even. She know. cannot. <laughs> she, if, if she wants to write someone else, has to book it. Oh, yikes. <laughs> Super banned. I love Trish. I actually would trust her with my child. Just maybe not like in a car. She probably would make the kid drive. <laughs> He'd be down. Just kidding. I don't even know your sister, and I'm just like talking <laughs> shit. <laughs> I mean, fine. <laughs> you're not wrong, though. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, she likes her new car, so if she was still driving, Jane, she was still driving Jane Honda, maybe. But she likes her new car a lot, so <laughs> she might Good. not put a toddler behind the wheel. <laughs> probably no guarantees though all right all right sorry so So not a lot about the disney renaissance but a lot about the insanity that is my household cheers cheers all right uh so now uh just to close this out because it sounded fun and uh it's my podcast and i could decide to do it Uh, (laughs) i've got a little round of this or that 90s edition. So just quick rapid fire. We can all answer. Uh, Goosebumps or Fear Street? Goosebumps. Goosebumps only because I don't know Fear Street, but honestly, neither. (laughs) No, I I have to go with Fear Street just because I am still terrified of garbage disposals because of one scene where someone stuck their hand down and the ghost turned it on. Stop that right now, bitch. Like... I picked up that you are anti-body horror. Is that correct? I am extremely anti-body horror. Um, Sorry, my dog is back there. I don't know what he is doing. Living his best life. He wanted to play the game. Yeah, he's answering questions too, Amanda. Sure. And his answer was pet me. Yeah. so, Lisa Frank, alien or leopard? Leopard. Leopard. Yep, leopard. Or dolphin, actually. I know that wasn't an option, but... I felt dolphin was too easy. I felt I dolphin was every 90s kid's obsession. Uh, I am who I am. Pretty, pretty princess or pop goes perfection? Mm, um, I think I can blame perfection for my anxiety, as probably all can. So I'm going to go with Pretty Pretty Princess. <laughs> I didn't have either game growing up, but I played Pretty Pretty Princess with some kids I was babysitting for. And I was like, this game is so amazing. So, <laughs> and I, was I, remember, like, I remember my grandfather playing and I'm just like, that's like a light bulb memory. And I'm like, you know, it's a good game. <laughs> I just remember wanting to lose because you got the really awesome black ring and it just looked so cool. So I was like, yeah, I don't have to try. (laughs) It was really pretty. All the gorgeous goth girls wanted to lose Pretty Pretty Princess. (laughs) (laughs) If you Um, wanted to lose Pretty Pretty Princess, you're a goth now, yes or no? (laughs) (laughs) And if you liked perfection, sorry about your medication prescription now. (laughs) How's therapy going? <laughs> uh, gushers or warheads? Mm. Oh, that's hard. I think gushers. Warheads. I was a warheads kid. 
I can feel yep. that bit mm -hmm. just even talking about them. Yeah, I would sour thing. how my tongue was like raw. Yep. <laughs> what was your favorite flavor? Mine was black cherry. Black cherry was really good, but I actually really liked lemon warheads. Okay. I just want sour. Corinne, that is frightening. You are the real horror of this podcast. Yes. <laughs> um, I want to say it was black cherry as well for me, but it was really whatever was sold at the concession stand at my older brother's uh, baseball games. Also valid. Blue raspberry was the worst, though. Yeah. That's accurate for most things where that's a flavor. <gasps> I don't like I'm raspberry on at the all. Out. Well, lucky for you, blue raspberry doesn't taste anything like raspberries. Oh, I know. I know. And I hate I hate real raspberries, too. I'm well, at least you're consistent. I <laughs> no, am it's great. <laughs> all right. Uh, Chuck E. Cheese or DZ Discovery Zone? <gasps> DZ Discovery Zone. I loved that place. Oh, yeah. DZ. I lost a tooth there. <laughs> That, yeah, you should have, because that place is dangerous. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I know I snuck into at least one birthday party there on accident, but <laughs> some adult was like, who wants cake? So yeah, who doesn't want cake? Just walked over, got some cake. The mom's <laughs> like, do we know you? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I went there for my sixth birthday and woke up the next day with strep and probably gave everybody at my party strep throat. Oh, except that, no, I because Adrian was certainly there, and Adrian tells me that she's never had strep despite our nearly thirty-five years of friendship. Did, okay. Was that the same day you broke your tooth? I yeah, I lost my tooth and I got strep. That's a what a day. That's a really big day. <laughs> Turned six, <laughs> lost a tooth. In was, in my defense, the tooth was loose. <laughs> okay. It was doing you a favor. Yeah. I was talking to someone once about, do you remember that part of DZ that had just like, it was like a multi-story room or I don't know. It felt yes. like it was. And it had the like layers of like string, except it was know, like, like rubber the, bands. The nylon rope yeah. things, but it had that weird plastic coating. Yes. Yeah. And you could best just like part. get yourself stuck in it. Yes. It was <laughs> the best thing ever. In hindsight, I'm like, what a weird so strange. They, I I need them to reinvent DZ for me and my 35-year-old joints. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Good luck. That sounds dangerous and I don't even want to know. I would sign so many waivers. Liability insurance on that would be waivers don't mean shit in most states. I recognize they that. They really don't. I would be honest and I'd go, "No, I signed the waiver. It's my own fault that I just broke several limbs. It's fine." Oh, I just had like a, a epiphany. I wonder, I feel like DZ walked so that wipeout, ultimate wipeout could run. <laughs> yes. 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 That was our training. That was a generation. Oh, I agree with that. Goodness. All right. Uh, Sailor Moon or Dragon Ball Z? I wasn't big on either of them, but I liked Dragon I knew Dragon Ball Z more, so I will go with that one. Uh, also, same seas didn't really watch either, but I will go with Sailor Moon because I have some friends who will actually murder me if I don't say that. Oh, yeah. Keebs will absolutely sneak into your house at night. Keebs, Brittany, I'll be dead. <laughs> yeah, I'll be dead from multiple um, angles. No, I was always a Sailor Moon girly, and I definitely watched Toonami 
but Sailor Moon had action every episode, as opposed to Dragon Ball Z, where you had action every fifth episode. So they animate on the fives. I love a backstory. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> um, all right. X-Files or Tales from the Crypt? Ugh, I don't know. I was like a little bit too young for X-Files, but I feel like I appreciate its influence more on culture these days. So I'll pick the X-Files. Yeah, I never watched. Well, I watched X-Files, but as an adult, you know, oh. on streaming. So, so you know how I talked about how I had amazing parenting influences and definitely wasn't exposed to things that I shouldn't watch. Definitely watched both in the 90s. Um, I was born in 1990. Uh, and I'm going to have to say Tales from the Crypt because I thought the Crypt Keeper was the funniest thing in the world when I was like four. And that explains so much about you, Amanda. Look, and, and Quentin's going right in my steps. He watched my husband play Elden Ring. <laughs> and goes, I really like the minions. Dad, you got to send the minions to fight the guy. <laughs> That's so okay. cute. I love that. Um, I love a little horror nerd in training. Oh, yeah. Uh, we've got a three foot tall uh, articulated skeleton up in his room who takes a bath, gets his teeth brushed. Uh, Amazing. Doesn't go to bed with him anymore. On a now skeleton, how do you know when to stop brushing? Uh, the, the teeth are pretty <laughs> separate. Um, it, it's, like a, it's a detailed skeleton. Uh, and we've got our six foot tall skeleton just on our porch year round now, this because the first year we had it, we went to put it away after Halloween. And I don't know if you've ever had to look a two year old in the eyes and say, no, we have to put your best friend away. Oh, um, so he just stays out there now. Uh, right now he's wearing a poncho and a winter hat. He wears goggles and a snorkel in the summer. Like he just gets to live his best little skeleton life. He startles me every other week <laughs> when I drive to your house. And I'm like, who the fuck is on your phone? Oh, it's the damn skeleton. <laughs> yeah, it's Mr. Bones. Mr. Um, Bones. Every other week. It's always the same. Still you surprised. You learn. <laughs> I got uh, lots of head injuries. <laughs> All right. uh, Pokemon or Digimon? Oh, Pokemon. 100%. I, I would say Pokemon because I want my husband to not murder me. But because we watch a lot of Drawfee, uh, Digimon now holds a very special place in my heart. Because it's just so damn stupid. <laughs> so this is where I'm a nerd. If we can stick with original Digimon... It's Digimon all the way. When they start evolving into like angelic godlike beings. Just some dude. I take issue because I was in it for the giant robot dinosaur. I was not in it. We went to church every Sunday. I didn't need more angels. I needed more <laughs> robot dinosaurs. If I wanted this, I'd go to church. Baby Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the religious trauma of it all. <laughs> Catholic school's great. Um, Animorphs or Babysitter's Club? Oh, that's a really hard one. I'll go with Animorphs. 
I have to say Babysitter's Club because I definitely read more of those books. But now that I'm older and I know more about the Animorphs series, I do have a huge appreciation for what K.A. Applegate did with those books. Uh, Animorphs is one of the first books I remember getting at a Scholastic Book Fair. So it it's just core memory. Core memory. Yeah. Should not have been allowed to get it. I couldn't tell you the plot of a damn Animorphs book, but I just loved the idea that you could turn into an animal because I was just like animal obsessed. Oh, I had all of the books. Um, Who, if you would like to read about uh, wartime trauma in teenagers, (laughs) that's the series for you. (laughs) Um, Oh, no. That's what that series was for children. Yeah. Um, Huh. And we had the choose your own adventure animorphs books. Oh, I don't remember those. Those were horrific. I, yes. Goosebumps, (laughs) choose your own adventure. Cool. Those were fine. Goosebumps endings, even when they were bad, were silly. Animorphs. It's like, you feel your bones bending the wrong way as your, (laughs) as your morph fails. Or remember how I hate body horror. (laughs) (laughs) Remember how this is a very established thing? <laughs> Why? Cries and animorphs. <laughs> I kind of want to read them now. Uh, you, I think they're all actually legally uploaded online. They are. You can read them all for free on the internet. Um, they do the wonderful 90s kids book thing where every single chapter ends on a cliffhanger. Um, there was, I forget who it was, but someone right at the start of lockdown in 2020 as a way to like cope with lockdown was just reading a chapter of Animorphs on their Instagram live every day. Amazing. And so I would just tune in and listen to that. That's amazing. Just every single chapter ends on a cliffhanger. Beautiful. It's perfection. I, I think I need to reread now too. <laughs> not the choose your own adventure ones, though. Apparently no. those are not for you. Uh later Animorphs books might not be for you, Corinne, because I don't know how those got made for children. Yeah. I just why why am I like this? Why do I help <laughs> with a horror podcast with my deficiencies? <laughs> I don't know. You're the one who got me to read the Gideon the Ninth series, and that oh. has enough horror in it. Such oh. a Gideon the Ninth hater. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. That just means more for me. <laughs> you should be sorry. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I've had people explain oh. it to me, and their explanation made it sound cooler oh. than my experience was. That's fair. I. One of my friends heard the rest of us talking about how much we loved it. And she went and she got, I think she did it the audiobook because she's more of an audiobook reader than uh, a book reader. Hated it. Yeah. And she was like, I think it's because you guys built it up too much for me. Mm. Okay. See, so. I really liked the audiobook. I never want to read it in print because the narrator for oh, the audiobook is amazing. It's just fantastic. I don't necessarily care what's happening on the page because her delivery is so worth listening to 
It it is, but I will say I definitely own paperback copies of the books to annotate because that's who I am as a person. Um, I did the psycho thing and half listened and half read it. Amazing, and I was happy <laughs> for that. Thank you. See, the narration was good. I agree. That that terrifies me. I don't know that I can switch my brain like that for any story. I don't have a brain. <laughs> We've established this tonight. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Chelsea, for this um, and Chelsea, really super quickly. professional Where else can we find experience. you? Where else can we find you, Chelsea, so that people who are listening to this and are like, wow, this lady is amazing because she put up with Amanda and Corinne for this long. I had a blast. Um, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at Chelsea Pumpkins, all one word. Um, and you can follow my podcast at, I think on Twitter, we are Cutthroat Horror, C-U-T-T-H-R-O-A-T-H-O-R-R-O-R. That's a lot of spelling. Yeah. It was hard to get off the top of my head. I got confused with, on the spelling of Cutthroat in the beginning. So I just like <laughs> need to tell people in case they're like me. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> and we'll have everything linked in the show notes on our website for everybody as well. Always. Uh, awesome. Go check her out. Read Chelsea's stories. They're amazing. And check go. out Ah Real Horror. Ah, uh, no. Wait, oh, that's what I call it. Ah <laughs> <laughs> Real Monsters. That, when Real does monsters. that come out, by the way? Because I know it's going to be out <laughs> soon after we release this hot mess of an episode. Yes. <laughs> So its date of publication is due to be January 25th. Um, so okay. that's when you can check it out. Pre-orders awesome. are open. I don't know when this will drop, but um, yeah. This comes out the 22nd. So yes. if you're listening to this uh, release date, go Get that pre -order pre-order in. it now. Go right now. Do before it. Before it's too late. <laughs> Do it quick. <laughs> Say you had it before it was cool. Yeah. And it's actually called, ah, that's what I call horror, not ah, real horror. <laughs> I'm a really good editor. <laughs> and if you're like me and you really overthink how many H's are in awe, you can also just search Chelsea Pumpkins and Amazon will show you the book. Um, fun fact. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you both for having me. This was a blast. Yes. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for joining um, us. Yes. And we will hopefully talk with you again another time. All right. Sounds good. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Graveyard Coffee Talk. Our theme music is Pretty Little Dead Girls by Seanan McGuire, copyright 2006 and used with permission. Our cover art is by Kyle Welsh. If you want to keep the chat going, please visit our website at graveyardcoffeetalk.com for transcripts, episode notes, and more. Follow us on Instagram at graveyardcoffeetalkpod or on Twitter at Talk Graveyard. They say she's out there on the hill They say she's looking for